0: Amen. Well, every week, you know, I seek to hear from the Lord, to hear what He would have to say uh, to us through His Word. You know, but for the Sunday before or the Sunday that's just after the new year, I really try hard to press in and hear from the Lord to see if there's something special that He would speak to us as a church. You know, as we uh, enter into this new year, I I try to take stock of where we're at as as a church, where we've been. I try to take stock personally where I'm at, where I've been. You know, and I try to take time to consider where we are, where we've been in light of what the Lord's impressing upon my heart, where He wants to take us, where He wants to lead us. And as I started um, the book of Deuteronomy this last week in my personal devotions, You know, I really felt like the Lord had something to say uh, to us from this book as individuals and as a church. So this morning, I'm going to take a, we want to take a break from the study of Acts uh, that we are going through on Sunday mornings. And we just want to take a brief look at Deuteronomy chapter 1. So uh, I'll tell you this right now. You can open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 1 but put your finger there and then turn over to Numbers chapter uh, 22, uh, sorry, 14. So, um, you know, I really feel like the Lord would encourage us this morning by looking at the situation that was facing the children of Israel, right? The instructions and the encouragement given to them <clears throat> by God and the lessons that uh, uh you know, were to be learned and applied to their lives, right? The Hebrew title for Deuteronomy translated into English is the words. It comes from the first few words of Deuteronomy 1, verse 1, right? And it says, these are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel. And so that's the Hebrew title the words the english title deuteronomy it comes from greek word the greek word which means the second law in short what we have in the book of deuteronomy is moses he's reviewing and reciting the law for those who survived the 40 years of wandering in the desert so again numbers chapter 14 if you're there uh, we'll look briefly at a few verses for a little background Uh, The Lord says, Numbers chapter 14, verse 22, he says, Because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice, They certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who reject me see it. And then he goes on in verse 29. He says, the carcasses, every time I read that, I laugh. The carcasses, the carcasses, the carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All you who were numbered according to your entire number, from 20 years old and above. And then verse 31, but your little ones whom you said would be victims, I will bring in and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness and your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years And bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. So in Deuteronomy here, Moses is giving what actually amounts to uh, his farewell address. He's reciting and reviewing the law for those who were children of the people that came out of Egypt, right? Uh, The children of those who were prevented from going into the promised land because of their unbelief. Many of these kids, now adults, have little or no recollection of the miracles which God did when He set the nation free from their cruel bondage uh, and slavery in Egypt. Now, I imagine... Uh, Some, if not many of these people, they were born during the time of the wilderness wandering. And they have no firsthand knowledge of the things uh, that God did in order to deliver them. Some, however, you know, they were in Egypt. They came out. They were younger than 20. And and maybe they just have a vague memory of the past events. You know, a, a vague memory of the, plagues that the Lord brought upon Egypt in order to set them free. Maybe they have a foggy recollection of the Lord parting the Red Sea, allowing the children of Israel to pass through on dry ground and then drowning the entire Egyptian army in the midst of the sea as they pursued the children of Israel. I mean, this is a new generation, right? All those aged 20 and above that came out of Egypt, they all, they've all died off in the wilderness. This is an entirely new generation. And they're facing, you know, many unknowns as they're getting ready to enter into the promised land, uh, getting ready to start a new chapter in life. And you can bet they've heard of the giants that are in the land. Um, They've heard the bad report that came from those who spied out the land 40 years ago right? Because bad news travels fast and it sticks around a long time. It travels faster and stays longer than than the truth certainly does. And they're now faced with a certain degree of uncertainty. And looking forward, things may not be looking up. Things may not be looking very promising for them as they're getting ready to enter into this land. Because uh, again, there are giants in the land right? The people who dwell in the land, they're strong and their cities, their cities are fortified and they're very large. That land is inhabited by the descendants of Anak. That was the bad report that came out in, in Numbers uh, 13. And, and you know, as we're entering a new year, there seems to be many threats, many uncertainties, uh, and, and unknown dangers ahead of us too. You know, you might be watching the news. Tina hates watching the news. It's just so depressing to her. But you might be watching the news and hearing bad reports uh, regarding those things that are just over the horizon, the thing, the possibilities that may be coming our way. And that can cause us to look at the new year with fear, wondering about what's around, just around the corner. You know, we live in an increasingly divided America. Our country is, is, seems just to be out of control. Violence and immorality at an all-time high. We were watching the news this morning and just, you know, innocent people being attacked and beaten on the streets. And not only that, but, you know, our economy and the world's economy for that matter, just seems to be in a free fall right now as food and fuel prices are on the rise. There's a looming world recession that many experts are saying is going to be worse than anything that we've ever seen in in the past few decades. The threat to our nation that comes from a lack of border security. I mean, terrorists entering uh, into our country undetected through the southern border. Not to mention the drugs that are pouring into our country. Uh, You know, killing uh, so many youth in our country. You know, there's this constant threat of cyber terrorism taking down down financial uh, institutions, taking down the power grid, critical infrastructures. And we seem to be headed down a road where the persecution of Christians is not too far distant in our future. I mean, it seems like it's going to be a soon reality. We're already beginning to witness the beginnings of that persecutions, uh, persecution of Christians, which is, to me, it's just like ironic because this country was founded on Judeo-Christian values. There can be feelings of uneasiness as you see this war in Ukraine lingering on, Russia threatening to use uh, nuclear weapons, you know, uh, the growing relationship between Russia and China. It's a threat to the way of life to the uh, Western world as a whole. You know, the threatening posture of China towards Taiwan and the entire Asian Pacific region. I mean, you watch the news. I mean, the big question is, will China attack Taiwan in 2023? And not only does China pose a threat to the Asian Pacific region, they pose a threat to life in our country also. China's Engagement in intellectual property theft, uh, the threat of identity theft as China mines uh, data gathered through uh, certain mediums like TikTok. You know there are also growing tensions in the world between India and China. There's there's even growing concern over Iran acquiring uh, a nuclear weapon and using it to wipe Israel off the face of the map. There's a threat of Turkey flexing its muscles, trying to grab one or more uh, of the islands, the Greek islands in the G and I mean, the list of, of looming disasters and rising conflicts, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And I think that we can look at all these giant problems in our country and in the world and feel like we're not going to survive. I mean, what is going to happen? So... We want to see in the book of Deuteronomy, what we see in the book of Deuteronomy is Moses, he's reciting and reviewing the law uh, for this new generation uh, of Israel. While they're camped on the east side of the Jordan River, just opposite of Jericho, just prior to crossing the river and going into the promised land to possess it, crossing the, the river represents this new chapter in their lives with many unknown situations and circumstances ahead. Like I said, you know, very similar to what we face, I think, as we enter into the new year. And it's good for each new generation and those of us of a previous generation to be reminded of fundamental foundational truths, to receive instruction again to re-receive instruction that maybe we're, we're already familiar with, but we've forgotten. And that's what Moses is doing. He's reciting the law. He's reviewing the law for them. God wants our foundations to be secure, to be firm and steadfast. So it never hurts to hear again the basic truths of living with the Lord and walking with Him. Up to now, uh, the nation of Israel, they were pilgrims uh, without a land of their own. But now they're about to enter into the promised land. And not only are there unknowns ahead, but there are also battles that are going to have to be fought. And Moses addresses the nation in order to encourage them to believe and obey God. So that God would be able to pour out his blessing upon them. You know, he reminds them of their past in order to prepare them to go forward and face the future. And, you know, the best way to prepare for the battles ahead is for us to remember what the Lord has done for us in the past. So Moses, he shared God's heart for the people. Not only did Moses want the people to possess the land that God was giving them, but he wanted them to keep it. He wanted them to be able to possess it throughout their generations. And knowing the dangers and pitfalls that lie ahead, Moses, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, warns them of the dangers that they'll be facing. But he also shows them very clearly the way to overcome the unseen dangers ahead. And it's to believe in God. It's to believe in his promises. It's to believe that God is able to perform that which he has promised, right? You might find it interesting to know the theme of this Old Testament book, the theme of Deuteronomy, is love and obedience, right? The word love appears 22 times in this book. The the book of Deuteronomy teaches us that man's response to the love of God should be obedience. You know, one of the great lessons uh, found within the pages of this book is that blessings come when our heart is right, right? In order to possess and enjoy all the promises that God has made for us, our hearts need to be filled with a love for God and a love for His Word. So now, if you will, turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy and we'll begin our study this morning. Deuteronomy 1, verse 1. These are the words which Moses spoke to all Israel on this side of the Jordan in the wilderness, in the plain opposite Suf, between Paran, Tophel, uh, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab. Uh, it is 11 days journey from Horeb by way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. So the Lord l- led the people of Israel Out of Egypt and into the desert. And their journey to the promised land should have only taken 11 days. But because of their unbelief, repeated complaints and murmurings, they failed to enter into the promised land and spent the the last 40 years wandering in the desert. Now, what I gleaned from this is that there's a legitimate wilderness experience in our walks with the Lord. There are times that the Lord will lead us into situations where uh, it requires us to trust in Him. It'll require us to wait on Him. It, It requires us to rely on Him for His provision, for His direction, for His protection. But if we fail to believe Him and obey Him in that situation, well, that failure can lead us into prolonged wilderness experiences. Something that's not what God intended for any of us. He didn't want that for us. And it's just those wilderness experiences are simply just wasted time. During the time uh, of wandering in the wilderness as a result of the unbelief and disobedience of Israel, we learn in the book of uh, Numbers, there was no growth to the nation. Actually, they decreased the numbers. During our times of unbelief and disobedience. There's no growth in our spiritual walks with the Lord either. It's just a dry and barren wasteland. We're not thriving during those times. We're at best just surviving. And in reality, the only reason we're surviving is because of God's grace. And just like that generation that died off because of their unbelief and disobedience to the Lord, our wilderness experience will continue until something dies, right? Until we come to the end of ourselves and cry out in desperation to the Lord for help. The book is to, re, to, uh, the book is to be a reminder to us of what the Lord has planned in regards to great blessings uh, for his people, right? And because of a lack of faith, they failed to realize what the Lord had for them. And they found themselves aimlessly wandering in a desert wasteland. And I think the first thing the Lord would remind us of this morning, as we're facing this new year ahead, is to walk in faith and obedience to Him. Or else we may find ourselves wandering aimlessly in a spiritually dry and desolate wilderness experience. Now, Deuteronomy 1 Verses 3 through 8, it reveals that after coming out of the land of Egypt, the children of Israel, they camped at Mount Horeb, or uh, it's also known as Mount Sinai, for about 13 months. Uh, This was 40 years earlier, is what it's talking about, when the Lord initially brought them to the place where they were to then enter into the promised land and possess it. And if you look down at verse 21 with me, we'll pick it up there says, look, the Lord your God had set the land before you. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear or be discouraged. Now, the Lord is giving them the land that God had promised, right? And Moses is encouraging them not to be fearful or discouraged, but to go in at the prompting of the land. What the Lord, when the Lord puts something on your heart to do, man, my encouragement to you is don't delay. It's so important to respond in obedience, to take a step of faith and go forward in the name of the Lord. Oftentimes, you know, I, I fail to follow through uh, with something that the Lord's placed on my heart because I stop to take stock of my abilities or Uh, the lack of them in in actuality. And looking at my abilities or inabilities, instead of trusting God to move when He's promised uh, me to, to, when He's prompting me to move forward, you know what? It causes me to be fearful. When I look at my abilities, instead of looking at God, causes me to be fearful. And the result is I fail to follow through of that thing the Lord's leading me to do. And then I become discouraged. You know, not taking that step of faith when God is opening the door is the recipe for mixed, uh, missed blessing. We read in verse 21 again, it says, The Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it. Do not fear or be discouraged. If we would, as God's people, just trust the Lord. Step out in faith at the time of his leading. If we would just obey God's prompting, then we'd experience God's blessing. There's no reason to fear as Christians, right? He has already done his part and he has given us his promise of success. All we have to do is step out and trust him to fulfill his word. Verse 22, and every one of you came near to me and said, Let us send men before us. Let them search out the land for us and bring back to us um, of the way by which we should go up and of the cities in which we shall come. The sending out of the 12 spies, that wasn't God's plan. God allowed it, but it was a sign of their unbelief. God had already gone before them. He had already uh, searched out the good land uh, for them. But they wanted to send spies into the land. They wanted to check it out for themselves because they were unsure. They were fearful. They were fearful because of unbelief, right? They wanted to see for themselves what was ahead. So they sent out the 12 spies to spy out the land. And when the spies returned, the people listened to the majority report. 10 out of the 12 spies brought back the bad report. You know, they went with the majority, the nation of Israel went with the majority opinion, even after Caleb and Joshua confirmed God's report of the land, his, his good report. When what you see frequently in the Bible is that the majority is often wrong. Jesus said, Matthew 7:13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. As believers, we're not to be influenced by the majority. The majority is so often the case wrong. They're heading in the wrong direction. We're to be influenced by the word of God and the prompting of His Holy Spirit, which, by the way, will never be in opposition the word. And in verse 26, Moses clearly says their unbelief is rebellion. Verse 26, nevertheless, you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And that unbelief, that rebellion led them to bring a a harsh accusation against God. Verse 27, and you complained in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us. He's brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. I see this as a really severe warning to each of us. Their unbelief caused them um, to say that God wasn't a good God after all, that he wasn't a loving God. He brought them out uh, to the desert in order to destroy them. Despite God's marvelous works in their lives, their deliverance from uh, Egypt. Despite his miraculous protection and destroying the entire Egyptian army, despite his wonderful provision for them up to that point, despite all the promised blessings ahead, they refused to enter into the land because of the fear of giants that were there. And their unbelief led them to bring a charge against God, our unbelief will lead us to do exactly the same thing. You know what? When things aren't going our way, you know what? We'll be tempted to say, God must not be very loving because if God was a loving God, he would do this or that. What we need to say in in every situation is, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this situation knowing that, You're more than good. You've never let me down in the past and have always provided me for me. So I'm going to trust in you no matter what lies ahead. Verse 29, Moses, he's he's speaking. He says, Then I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. When we're walking in obedience to God, moving forward as He prompts us, when we find ourselves in the center of His will, we don't need to be terrified or afraid of anything. Why? Because, look at verse 30, 31. The Lord your God who goes before you, He will fight for you according to all He did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carries you. As a man carries his son and in all the way that you went until you came to this place. God gives us very plainly here the reasons why we shouldn't succumb to fear in anything He leads us to do. And the first reason is the Lord, Jehovah God, is your God. There's nothing too hard for Him. There's nothing impossible for Him. He spoke the world (laughs) into existence. None can withstand Him or thwart his will, if God is for us, who can possibly stand against us? The second reason we don't need to be terrified or afraid is because God has gone before us, right? There's no place the Lord hasn't already been, right? There's no situation that he'll allow into our lives that he hasn't already seen and ordained the outcome. Nothing surprises our God. He knows and sees everything. He's working all things together for our good. He is at work, working a good work in each of us. And he's faithful to complete that good work that he's begun. And much of that good work, if not all of it, much of that good work is to conform us into the image of his son. Whatever the Lord leads us into, whatever He's prompting us to do is for our good, making us more like Jesus in every way. The third reason we don't need to be terrified or afraid is because God is hes fighting for us. Throughout the Bible, you read that the battle is the Lord. And we're to just stand still and see the victory that the Lord will win for us. You know, the problem I find, the problem arises when I I try to take that that fight on it, you know, in in my own strength. When we try to get involved and and take on the fight ourselves, you know, when we think that somehow we can turn the tide of that battle, you know what? The Lord doesn't need your help. (laughs) He doesn't need my help. He's fully capable of handling things without me. That may be a shocker to some. I mean, it was a shocking realization to me when I figured that out. We need to go forward in faith knowing that if the Lord is leading, he's got everything under control and there is no reason to fear. The fourth reason we don't need to be terrified or afraid is because we have a history with God. We've seen God's faithfulness in difficult situations in the past. He's never let us down. He's always seen us through. Each of us have experienced his faithfulness and love right? It's God who's brought us to this place, to this point in time, and He has no intention of abandoning, abandoning us now. God has delivered us from the bondage of sin. He set us free from the pollution of the world. There's no way that the Lord will not come through for you when you're desiring to follow after Him, when you're desiring to live in obedience to Him, to go deeper with Him. And the fifth reason we saw in in those two verses that we don't need to be terrified or afraid is because He's carrying us. Isaiah 40, verse 11, it's one of my favorite verses. He will feed His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with His arms and carry them in His bosom and gently lead those who are with young. You know, the Lord wants to carry us in His bosom close to His heart. He he desires to love and protect us in all things. You know, to, to take us by the hand and lead us in the way that we're to go. To me, that's such a comforting thought, you know. I want the Lord to take me by the hand and just lead me on as I walk through my day. We have no reason to be terrified or afraid of any situation that comes into our life or is looming over the horizon. In verse 32, we read, Yet for all that you did not believe the Lord your God, who went in the way before you to search out a place for you to pitch your tent, to show you the way you should go in the fire by night and the cloud by day. I mean, there was no need to send spies into the land because God had gone before them. God has seen every single place His children were to camp. He's already seen the places that they were to take their rest. God's presence, God's glory was with them, going before them uh, in the fire by night, giving them light in the darkness. You know, leading them on by the cloud during the day, providing shade, giving them relief from the heat of the sun, right? God had thought of everything and had made every needed provision for them ahead of time. The same is true with us. But their unbelief grew like a cancer, overshadowing everything that they had experienced with God. And again, Moses seeking to encourage the people. He's seeking to prepare the people for what lies ahead. He reminds them of their past, where they've been, the faithfulness of God and his desire and ability to provide and to lead and to save. So often as Christians, we're going to face giants in the land. It's just a fact of life. And it can be difficult to know how to handle those situations, especially in light of our inabilities. But God has given us the same promises that he's given the children of Israel. He will take care of the giants that are ahead of us. Instead of concerning ourselves with the outward circumstances, we just need to trust God and do what he said, uh, trust God to do what he said he would do. I mean, I think it's like so many Christians today. God has given us so many wonderful promises, but we fail to see them come to pass in our lives because of unbelief, right? Because our eyes are fixed on the difficulties that are out of sight, those things that are just over the horizon. God has given us every reason to believe in Him. He's been so faithful to each one of us. He's never forsaken us. He's never abandoned us. Our past is filled with blessing. If we'll just take the time to honestly look back over where we've been. You know, if we fail to keep our eyes on the Lord, fear will grow out of control within our hearts, and it will eventually eclipse God's faithfulness to us, right? It will eclipse it'll eclipse God's goodness, right? It will cause his ability to deliver to completely fade from sight. Fear will cause us to forget God's past miracles, which he has done in our lives. Fear will blind us to everything God desires to reveal to us currently regarding his nature and his love for us. But the worst thing of all, fear will lead to unbelief, And that unbelief will rob us of the blessing that God wants to lavish upon us. Verse 34, and the Lord heard the sound of your words. This is a reference back to verse 27 when they accused God of hating them, wanting to destroy them instead of blessing them. Verse 34, and the Lord heard the sound of your words and was angry and took an oath saying, surely... Not one of these men of this evil generation shall, shall see that good land, <clears throat> of which I swore to give to your fathers, except Caleb, the son of uh, Jephunneh. Uh, he shall see it, and to him and his children I will give the land on which we walked. Uh, he walked, because he wholly followed the Lord. The Lord was also angry with me, Moses says, for your sake, saying, even you shall not go in there. Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall go in there. And the Lord, uh, speaking to Moses, he says, Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Only Caleb and Joshua were going to go into the promised land. Out of all those people who came out of Egypt. Right? We're told in the book of Numbers that there were 603,550 men who came out of Egypt. It's estimated that there were somewhere between two and two and a half million people coming out of Egypt. When you count women and children. Every one of them, 20 years old and above, died in the wilderness. Every one of them, 20 years old and above, failed to realize the blessings that God had in store for them because of unbelief. Only Caleb and Joshua enjoyed the full extent of God's blessing. Everyone else missed out. Why did they get to experience the fullness of, of, of God's blessing when the rest didn't? Well, Caleb and Joshua, they were different from all the rest, right? Right? They were the spies that believed God and brought back that good report. They said, sure, there's giants in the land, but God's given them into our hand. And it says in verse 35, we read it, you can look down at it. In regards to Caleb, he wholly followed the Lord. He was all about the Lord, right? He loved the Lord with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength. He believed God and he followed the Lord the way the Lord wants us to follow him. Caleb trusted the Lord to do exactly what he said he would do. He was obedient to God and refused to look at God through the circumstances. But instead, he looked at the circumstances through the lens of an almighty God. And he believed that God was able to do exactly what he promised. Right? And he would not waver in his resolve to follow hard after the Lord. In Joshua's case, we, we read in Exodus thirty three eleven. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend and he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Joshua, he couldn't get enough of the Lord. He just wanted to be where the Lord was. He wanted to spend as much time as possible in God's presence. And Joshua's desire to know the Lord was rewarded by God using him in greater ways. Joshua ended up leading the the, uh, people into the promised land to inherit it as God promised. Wouldn't you like to be described as a person who wholly followed the Lord? I would. I want people to, to say, you know, Gary, there's a guy that wholly follows the Lord. Wouldn't you like to be seen as a person who couldn't get enough of Jesus? That's what I want. I want people to say, man, like Gary, he just wants, he's all about Jesus. Wouldn't you like to be known as a person who follows the Lord in a way that pleases him fully? You know, those descriptions, they're not out of our reach, right? The Bible says that all these things were written uh, for us so that we would learn from them so that we would have hope. You know, the lives of Caleb and Joshua are recorded for us as examples in order to encourage us. All the men and women of the Old Testament, right, were men and women of like nature, right? They were not more able to live a life of faith, wholly following God, going deeper with Him than we are they, they just made the choice to seek after God with all their heart. And, and they followed through with that desire. And again, they were determined and unwavering in the resolve to just believe God. And in verse 39, it says, Moreover, your little ones and your children, who you say will be victims, who today have no knowledge of good and evil, they shall go in. To them I will give it, and they shall possess it. But as for you, turn and take your journey into a wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. Again, Moses is reminding them of what happened 40 years earlier. You know, the result of their unbelief was that they were not able to receive God's promised blessings. Right? And the principle that we see in the Bible, it's more evident in the New Testament, than it is in the old, but it's it's there too. But the principle that we see in the Bible is our faith determines our outcome. Over and over again, you see it. You know, we see Jesus saying to many of those people that came to him for healing, your faith has made you well. As you have believed, so let it be done to you. According to your faith, let it be to you. Jesus said to the Ciro-Phoenician woman who who came to him for her daughter that was demon-possessed. He said, oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. God is so willing to do so very much more in the lives of people who believe in his ability to work on their behalf. But he's only gonna go as far as we allow him to go. And sadly, our unbelief and lack of faith, that's the limiting factor. When we exercise faith in the Lord, He sees it, and it deeply pleases Him. And when we speak words of unbelief, you know, God can't do this. God's not willing to do this or that or whatever. You know what? He hears it. He hears it, and the result is wasted time wandering through life in a dry and barren wilderness. You know, the blessings of God are for those who take God at his word, who step out in faith to possess the promises that he's made. It's exactly what Caleb and Joshua did. And Moses continues the history lesson, verse 41. He says, Then you answered and said to me, We have sinned against the Lord. We will go up and fight just as the Lord our God commanded us. And when every one of you girded on his weapon for war, You were all ready to go up. Uh, You were ready to go up into the mountain. And the Lord said to me, tell them, do not go up nor fight, for I am not among you, lest you be defeated before your enemies. So I spoke to you, yet you would not listen, but rebelled against the command of the Lord and presumptuously went up into the mountain. The people who rebelled against the Lord, the ones who brought this charge this harsh accusation against the Lord. They weren't repentant here, right? They were just sorry because now they're in a bigger mess than what they were in before. Well, how do you how, how can you say that, Gary? How do you know that they weren't repentant? Because they refused to listen to what the Lord was telling them now. He was telling them not to go. And, and, and they're going to go. They're determined to go. It's just another act of rebellion presumption is a false faith, right? It's sin masquerading as faith. They failed to obey God when he told them not to go into the land to possess it. And after they heard the judgment of God, they tried to go in to take it without him. Presuming upon the Lord makes it look like you're acting in obedience. But in reality, it's just you moving forward when the Lord hasn't directed you to move. It's nothing more than moving forward in your own strength, in your own wisdom. When we presume upon the Lord, we're really trying to force Him to jump through our hoops, right? Trying to force Him to do what we want Him to do, while at the same time giving the appearance that we're acting in faith. I mean, it's just hypocrisy. There's a fine line between faith presumption. Well, how how can we tell which is which? When God puts something on your heart, especially when it seems impossible, right? Take a step of faith uh, in obedience to Him. But you got to listen, and please understand, don't misunderstand me here. I don't believe in blind faith. I just don't believe it. When God puts something on your heart, especially when it seems impossible, He's going to confirm it to you through, you know, a godly friend, a wise counselor that He's placed in your life. He's going to confirm it to you as you pray and seek His face. You know, then, that's when then you should take the step of faith. Trusting Him, trusting God that He's going to do it. Presumption is when you want something and without any prayer you know, or a meaningful prayer, uh, without any wise counsel, you just move forward. Sometimes even removing barriers, uh, blowing through roadblocks, climbing over obstacles that God has placed in your path. And he's placed them there because he's not in that thing that you're trying to accomplish. He's placed them there for your protection. Verse 44, And the Amorites who dwell in that mountain came out against you and chased you as bees, do, and drove you back from Seir to Horma. Then you returned and wept before the Lord, but the Lord would not listen to your voices, nor give ear to you. So you remained in Kadesh many days, according to the, the days that you spent there. You know, I think this chapter applies to us in a very real way. We're faced with hard times. You know, uh, We've, been, we've faced hard times in the past, and we're going to face difficulties in the future. You know, being a Christian doesn't exempt us from, you know, struggles and trials. Uh, but despite what the future may look like, we have no reason for unbelief. We, are abs- we have absolutely no reason at all to succumb to unbelief. And unbelief will only lead to terror and fear. As we enter uh, this new year, I think the Lord would encourage us that there are many blessings ahead of us. We have a history with God, right? He has been and will continue to be faithful to each one of us. We're secure in the hands of the Lord, and we have no need to be fearful of anything that lies ahead or is over that horizon. Uh, The economy, um, threats, you know, from foreign powers, Uh, We have no need to fear. And I think that the Lord would have us remember all the many ways that he has met our needs in the past so that we would be better equipped to face the future. He's the one who's able to slay the giants that are before us. And what we need to do is just walk by faith and not by sight. We serve a God who is more than able to fulfill His promises to us. In fact, we've seen His hand moving and guiding and protecting and blessing in our paths. Yeah, any fear or unbelief that we allow into our hearts, in light of all that we know, in light of all that we've experienced with God, is really, if I could be so bold, I mean, it's unreasonable. It's inexcusable. Our great God and Savior is master of all circumstances and sufficient for every emergency. The wind and the waves obey him. Demons flee before him. Disease and death are destroyed when he appears. Nothing can withstand his power. He has all authority in heaven and earth. And a wonderful and the wonderful thing for us to remember is, that He is our great God and Savior. He is our Redeemer, right? We can trust Him who invites us to cast every care upon Him because He cares for us, right? Difficulties are just opportunities for Him to display His power in our lives. Emergencies give us the privilege of proving His love and willingness to care for us as we abide in His grace and we rely on Him To fight for us. You know, life can often seem like a wilderness filled with giants, filled with dangers. But the truth is that God is not only for us, but He's gone before us. He's prepared the way for us. And it's up to us, right? We can choose to trust Him no matter what comes our way. And that kind of faith blesses God. You know, let's choose to be a people of great faith. Let's make the choice to be a church who believes God for great things, right? If we'll make that choice, we'll see his blessings poured out, lavished upon us, I believe, this year, right? As we exercise that kind of faith in him, He is going to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ask or think of. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for, Lord, seeing you. Lord, I I think of that song about the things of this world fade away when we fix our eyes on you. Lord, understanding that nothing can come into our life, no dangers, no no threats, nothing can come into our lives that you haven't already ordained for our good. And Lord, as we are faced with the challenge today to commit this year to exercising faith in you and believing in you, no matter what the enemy would throw at us, no matter what the world would bring to us, to just believe you that you are good, That you are great, able, wonderful. Lord, worthy of our praise. Lord, help us to make that choice. Help us to live that choice. To be wholly following after you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To just want to be in your presence. Just to be where you are, Lord. I pray, would you work that in each one of us individually? Would you work that and each one of us as a couple and a family, would you work that in in us as a church, as Calvary Chapel Truckee? May we be known as those people who believe God for great things, expect God to do great things, and are willing to attempt to do uh, great things for God. Lord, work it in us. We ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen.